Gal. Hey guys and welcome to Get Life Podcast Kunai. I am joined with Will once more. Hey. And today we are going to be talking about, I don't know how to explain it, the, the fated anime. The anime that we reference on Kunai almost all the time when something fucks up or whenever we cock up on Kunai. Wait, we, we, I was supposed to watch Fate? You said the fated anime. I mean the fated anime as in the anime that we talk about all the time on Kunai, the, the legend. It is Denki Guy. Nohonya-san. That is what we're going to be talking about today. Before we get into the bulk of the discussion, I'm just going to go in with the disclaimer. For you new folks, Get Life Podcast Kunai is a monthly anime discussion podcast under the Get Life group. Due to the nature of the discussion, we can't avoid spoilers of the show to be discussed. For those shows that are based off existing pieces of work, whether it's manga, light novel, or some other media form, we're not going to be covering the source material for those. If you'd like to recommend a show for us to watch and make an episode of kunai leave a suggestion on our discord getalifepodcast.com forward slash discord big thanks to our sponsors japan crate and our headline sponsor crunchyroll which you can actually view this anime if you like to on crunchyroll using our link crunchyroll.com forward slash kunai so will first of all how are you today are you good really tired i mean i'm good but i'm also tired i had a long long day good day good day but like i'm tired for good reasons but like i'm you know really happy to be uh recording this episode with you today okay well that's good that's good um for those that don't know denki guy no honya san um basically electric towns bookstore also known as denki guy is a manga series illustrated by asato mizu uh, it's basically a slice of life story that focuses on a manga shop uh called uh umano hone uh which means the horse's bone it's a bit weird it's a reference actually i didn't know this it's a reference to a real life yes, manga uh, shop called yes. the tiger's lair also known as uh, uh toro noana yeah have That's you the, been I, there before or oh yeah or, dude i I, it's, oh, yeah. I love that story yeah it's great okay i didn't even know it was a real thing until now i, I mean i caught it right away when i saw like the way the the i mean the the store in the anime it it's it looks just like the store in the real world they just obviously couldn't actually call it the real name which makes sense i, I understand because there's a lot of things in this show that they have to change up uh I'm guessing due to licensing reasons or due to not getting sued and things like that. So this actually aired in the fall of 2014 from October to December. It's only had 12 episodes, but it was competing with quite a lot that season. Just for some context, Your Lie in April aired around this time. Parasite, Seven Deadly Sins, Fate Stay Night, Unlimited Blade Works. You had so much more as well. Uh, Log Horizon, second season, Amagi Brilliant Park. I'm trying to think. You had Shiro Bako, which we covered on Kunai as well. World trigger world trigger i can't understand what my husband's saying you had so many shows and i think sword art season two as well was like around that time so you had so many shows so i think for a lot of people this kind of went under a lot of people's radar especially because it wasn't really done by a well-known animation studio it was actually animated by shin a animation who actually done the animation for doraemon
Pokemon and Shin-chan. I mean, they're a big studio in that sense, but they're also not known for much. Yeah, I, I was going to say something about that because like that's that's one thing, like how you said how it kind of flew under the radar. For, for me personally, like this show is normally something that's right up my alley completely, but I didn't even know about it until you suggested to watch it for Kunai. Yeah, you know what? It's quite interesting because looking more into it, it's, I don't know, there's something about it. Even if you look at like Asato Mizu's stuff, I'm pretty sure there's some other stuff that he's doing at the moment, right? If I'm not mistaken, like Aharen-san, I'm not sure. I think there's another kind of like a small series that he did that got like kind of notoriously popular, but I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. But I remember him doing something not too long ago that kind of blew up for like, and it was like a flash, like it was big for a minute and then gone kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, which kind of like, unfortunately, kind of seems to be his style. Like, I know he even did something with the, the K-On franchise. Like, even though he wasn't like one of the main people who worked on K-On, he did like a K-On book that like, mm -hmm. you know, was kind of like, what do you want to call it? Not an epilogue, but it was just kind of like extra stories after the end of the main manga. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's like the manga where they go into college and stuff like that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it's that one. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's listed on here. It's K-On! The Anthology comic. So That's there it. was like only one volume or something. Like it was just, it was like a one-shot manga. But in general, this is actually the first animated show of his published works. And obviously the second being A Haran San, uh, which is coming out later on this year, which should be interesting. I wanted to know your first impressions because you've mentioned that you didn't know much about the show during its initial release and you only found out because of Kunai. I, I wanted to kind of go in into this one blind, as it were, because you know how we've talked in the past that usually I'm the type of person that like, you know, when I get into something, I'll look to see who was involved, like, you know, who was the producer, who was the director, who wrote the story and all that type of stuff. But I, I at least went into the first episode of this just completely blind, not knowing what to expect other than like some of the brief stuff that you told me about. So like just with the first episode, I'm like, okay, I can tell I'm already going to like this. It already had me laughing. It already had funny bits. It had sweet stuff to it. But then like it kind of slapped me across the face with a little bit of like the etchy bits. And it's not an etchy series, but like it uses them like jokes and things like that and it was just like but it makes sense when you think about the setting of the shop that they're in now i will say in like the, the real life shop which they they kind of show it in the anime a bit but not as much is that i mean it's like a normal manga shop like they have normal mainstream manga and everything you know and there's multiple floors of it too so that's why like you know through the show you really don't get to see all the staff of the show it just focuses on this one group and usually there's different staff that work on the different floors and like each floor will have a theme like you'll have your newer releases on the ground floor and mainstream books and like maybe your next floor will be like secondhand books then you'll have a floor that's all bl stuff and you'll have another floor that's all doujinshi and things like that etc i you know that jumped out of me just the, you know a little bit of the accuracy of it too and i'm sure that you know the author of the series obviously spends a lot of time in manga and doujinshi shops too but anyway they said my, my first impression was it's, it was funny and sweet right off the bat i wasn't expecting any of the rom-com stuff that i just okay i literally wasn't expecting that at all but honestly it was kind of a pleasant surprise so and i love series like this these you know simple comedy kind of i don't want to say it's it's not straight slice of life but it reminds me of a series something like working or okay. um yeah. or even rail wars where even like in mm -hmm. rail wars there you know that's got a lot of comedy and etchy 
in it too, but they are still working a job with these trains and everything, or even something like a Magi Brilliant Park. So yeah, it, it kind of, it, it has a lot going for it in a small package, I guess is the easiest way I can say it. You know, it's interesting that you bring up Rail Wars because I fucking love that anime. As soon as you mentioned it, it brought it back up in my head, but I've, I've actually seriously been thinking about rewatching Rail Wars here. I've been thinking about it for a couple months now. Such a good show. I mean, I want to suggest it for Kunai, but that's not, that's besides the point. But it's interesting that you mentioned that because for me, right, I didn't even think about this. I didn't consider this in my initial watch for Kunai. So the way that it happened was I suggested it because I happened to stumble upon it around February 2015. So this was right before Joe was joining Kunai mm. and it was just me and Tyson. And I was like, this is, I think this was for episode 11 of Kunai. So we just finished Mausama and I was like, okay, oh my gosh, I, it was so long ago. It was, it was a long time ago. And it was just like, well, you know what? We finished Mausama. I'm going to suggest Denki Guy. I'd never seen Denki Guy at this point, right? I, I heard some interesting things online and I was like, you know what? We're going to watch it. We're going to talk about it. And we got to the recording and Tyson finished the series, done his notes and everything. And it's just me and Kevin. And Kevin knows how strict I can be when we don't take our notes or whatever, or when, when we don't even finish an anime for Kunai. So Kevin was, I feel that Kevin was kind of scared because literally Tyson asked us right at the beginning and he was like oh so what do you think about oh this was actually before we even had a proper uh, episode structure so Tyson asked us about the ending right at the beginning of the show and then me and Kevin were just like oh actually we never seen the ending and Kevin oh, said that first no. and then Kevin said it first and then I was just like well you know what Kevin's got some balls because I'm gonna join in on that I was like and the funny thing is Tyson looked at me and Tyson was like are you gonna you gonna tell him off or you gonna i was about to and then i was like well i i'm in the same position as kevin so i was just like yeah i didn't watch it either and then tyson just freaked out and he was like you suggested the show how did you not watch it how how, how do you sit down to record for a show and you didn't watch it you goobers this is the thing right <laughs> this is the thing now we have a rule on kunai that we will not suggest the show unless we've seen it once in full and then we watch it another time for kunai so we, we're learning this is early days of kunai we didn't have a show structure we didn't have any rules in place to sort of keep us on on track and i think denki guy for us was a very pivotal point because yeah we shit on it a lot for kunai but it's because we're learning from our past mistakes and i think that there's a lot of mistakes that we tie towards denki guy and we sort of shit on the anime because of our experience on kunai if that makes sense so it's not the show's fault it's your fault and you're just using the show's scapegoat <laughs> correct that's exactly it <laughs> you can ask Kevin about this. Every time we do a bad episode, I'm like, Kevin, I do not want this episode to be like Denki Guy. We we put Denki Guy in the back of our heads as this is the bottom of the barrel for Kunai episodes. And then it just goes up from that. So if an episode has gone better than our Denki Guy episode, then we're like, oh, you know what? That's good. The reason why I suggested it today was because it's coming up to be Kunai's anniversary. Um, I think nine years of Kunai, which is insane. But uh, maybe nine years or eight years of Kunai, something that long. I didn't even know that and then i thought well i want to go back and do the episodes that were cancelled because literally when we did denki guy i was we were like one hour in and then tyson asked well, so what do you think of Sumilia-kun? And specifically, he asked about episode 11, but we'll get onto that in the in the thing. And they were like, we haven't seen it. The funny thing is, I think Kevin got further than me. Kevin got maybe 
four episodes in and I got two episodes in. So I didn't even bother. Two. Two episodes. And this was back then when we had like a whole month to watch an episode for Kunai. And I'll explain why I got two episodes in. And it's because I felt this ep this anime was goofy. Like I was just like, what the fuck is this? How, how are we going to talk about the show? It, bear in mind, we were all at this point because it was only episode 11. We were extremely new to anime. And a lot of the things we didn't understand. I didn't understand the setting. I didn't understand the, the character as much I wasn't as prepared because mind you we were early days of kunai we weren't really taking notes as much and secondly I wasn't in that otaku sphere if that makes sense right I wasn't in that environment I didn't get to be exposed enough okay okay I'm not trying to make excuses but it was just a train wreck and I love the way that me and Kevin in the initial episode we were both separately thinking that we could get away with not watching the anime and let everyone else sort of chip in if that makes sense I've got two words for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Banana hammock. Ba banana hammock? You mean like what um, <laughs> what the director was wearing? The, no, no, no. Yeah, because you, you said you got to episode two and then you're like, nope, I'm out. No, that was, it wasn't because of that. You know what okay, it was? Okay. It was my initial reasoning, and I can't speak for Kevin, but my initial reasoning was that it felt a bit odd. Like who does a fan service episode right from the get-go? Like that, I didn't make sense to me because at the time, you no, know, we'd expect fan service episodes to be, you know, your beach episode or your bathhouse episode. And that would be like maybe episode seven. You know what I mean? Like later on into the series when the series is sort of winding down and you need to get that hype build up. So for me, initially, in my initial watch, I was just disappointed. I was like, we don't know these characters and yet we're having a fan service episode from the get-go. I didn't really care for it at the time. And I, I kind of felt uncomfortable. That was initially. I'm just going back to how I initially felt. Things have changed since then well you know what i'm here now to redeem the danky guy you know what we are all here to redeem danky guy because i'll be honest with you my first or my second impressions as i was re-watching for kunai this time around was very i would say positive i think in my mind because i was thinking oh you know what danky guy's a shit anime because of our kunai experience on it i didn't give it a chance and the funny thing is i would go back because we were supposed to do this episode with joe as well but initially when i was watching it for that episode I also did the same thing. I stopped at like episode four. I think maybe episode four or episode six. I stopped right there. And I was like, I can't continue with it. But rewatching it now for Kunai has changed me a little bit because it is wacky. It is great. It reminds me of other shows that I've seen in the past, right? Like Good Luck Girl or Aho Girl as well. Stuff like that. And it also reminded me of, uh, I'm trying to remember, there was one particular show that it reminded me of a lot that I, it can't, I can't really bring. Oh, it reminded me of SYD. I don't know if you know SYD. Oh, yeah. No, that's the that's the show I asked you about the other day. I was like, what's that show you keep telling me I should watch and I haven't seen yet? Yeah. So I haven't it's seen SYD. that one So it reminded me a lot of SYD, which is, which is funny because we on Kunai really think highly of SYD, right? It's like the funny show, like the peak of comedy for us. And this show has a lot of the same features, a lot of the same, I wouldn't say a lot of the same jokes, but a lot of the same humor as SYD, right? And it's quite nice because we get to see that sort of bookstore environment in Japan, right? Because it's it's quite unique because you don't quite see dedicated manga stores in the West or you might do, but they're quite small. Like this store had like what, seven stories? Like it was insane. I was just in a book off earlier today. Yeah, which is used book and manga shop. So like when you when you went in there, like was it as, was it huge? Was it a small store? Like what was it? Oh, the, the book off? I mean, there's book offs yeah. all over Japan. 
so which like I mean like the one that near me it's a larger book off but even it's only one one floor but like I said if when if you go to any like big city in in Japan like any almost any of these like bookstores like you know in in Denki Guy they're almost always multiple floors because they're they're like themed basically see and that was interesting because in the show i didn't quite understand that initially because i didn't watch the end because the end episode explains that there are other workers apart from these six characters mm -hmm. that we see in the show so for me i think i couldn't relate to it initially i didn't have any context because there was a lot of references that i didn't understand i didn't understand the anime industry at the time and now watching it for kunai i felt refreshed the show is very refreshing because i understand the jokes i understand you know the, the manga and anime environment it's quite interesting because it's like you know i was just surprised like I, I don't know how to explain it it was very very refreshing like it's one of those shows that i could say that you could turn your brain off and watch but that would be an insult to the show it's i don't know i think as a manga fan as an anime fan i really did appreciate it i didn't at first but now i do i mean that's that's a pretty good way to say that too because it's, it's one of those shows though too where um yeah you have the you have obviously the visual component which is the whole point of watching anime but that being said this show is very dialogue driven especially with like a lot of its little jokes and innuendos and things like that which i thought was pretty cool like i'm not gonna lie to you i don't know it's a show that made me smile made me laugh and i haven't seen like that in a, in a while and for me it's kind of disappointing that it didn't get as much love do you know what i mean like yeah well i i wanted to talk about that for a little bit so you know again as i you know started looking more into the show after i was realized i was getting into it like on honestly the show itself has a high pedigree not necessarily from you know like i said like not necessarily just from the author itself but when i looked into like the studio how you talked on or uh, talked about earlier i mean they've been around forever you know like and they've done some of my personal favorite anime that have come out in the past few years which one we covered not too long ago which was sweetness and lightning and they also uh, are currently doing a, a tz master takagi-san that's another one of theirs oh is it yeah yeah i didn't even know that okay that. yeah uh, of course they do crown shinchan which is hilarious and it's kind of like you know an all-ages show i don't know how many people out there you know outside of japan have watched crown shinchan but i mean he's huge in japan and of course doraemon i mean Dora doraemon actually the, the new movie like just came out this week and already knocked off the batman in japan oh wow that's how big it is yeah so anyway like just that but then i got into looking into the voice actors i was like i know this person i know this person like as i'm looking at at, at each of their roles they've been in so many shows that i've personally enjoyed you know and other shows that i know of but i haven't watched i mean like i said the the cast of this show like from the staff to the voice actors is also has its own pedigree so that's like i again brings me back to the whole surprise of how i'd never heard about it until like i said you suggested it to me wow that's insane i didn't even realize that to be honest with you and like one thing that is upsetting is just because it kind of got i don't think it did well in manga sales because i know we don't talk about manga and kunai but anime is there 
to promote manga and it mm -hmm. seemed a bit odd to me that we even got a dub of uh, not a dub sorry that we got a an actual release overseas of this anime because sometimes we don't but i was surprised that we did because anime is there to promote manga but this manga never released in the west i'm wondering though too like because a lot of times people who are involved in the manga industry you know not just in the, in the corporate side but i mean like the actual creators and stuff like that they're in like kind of tight circles with a lot of like anime creators and artists and things like that too so i'm kind of wondering if maybe this was just something that that kind of got like a word of mouth or like people took on as kind of like a pet project because of because of the ties that it obviously has to the rest of the manga and anime world and all the kind of like little i don't even want to say inside jokes because there's a lot of inside stuff in the show that's not even meant as a joke but like you know mm -hmm. you'll see shots of characters that you know clearly they aren't the character but they're supposed to represent that character and like i messaged you the other day when it got to the you know episodes of them doing the cosplay i'm like dude i'm like i recognize every single character that they're cosplaying as in this show like which is it's very like interesting and and you do you might have a point there because first of all how could they get away with all of that that's one thing i mean it, there's a lot of people who uh, you know like i said in manga and anime who are kind of like friends with each other and they do tributes to each other this is why you'll see like you know random characters sometimes will pop up in another person's anime in the background and like you don't you don't really notice them but then other people will like screen get, grab it and post it online i'm like oh my god that was them you know what i mean or like where you know like like the the authors for like re zero and konosuba they're really good friends and they'll make little inside jokes back and forth in their own properties to each other and that's why you'll see like different crossovers and promos and things like that with those shows even if we're talking about konosuba and re zero the fact that we got that what that crossover that had like i can't remember the name of it it had like overlord characters as well and like a shield hero oh you mean that anime that. yeah that's all the different uh isekai isekai quartet where it's all the different yeah, isekai was, shows together that was crazy yeah. but yeah. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Denki Guy. I want to talk about our favorite episodes and moments because you know what? I'm just going to say it right off the bat. Episode 11, best episode of the show. Best fucking episode of Denki Guy. And it's a shame that I never watched it initially because if I had seen episode 11 from the beginning, damn, I would have stuck with Denki Guy. But I, I will say I am glad that they saved that episode till almost yeah. the very end because like the whole time, like, you know, I, I wouldn't call Somali a main character in this show like he's he's not a side character but he's not one of like the main ones they focus on either but you know you get him you know throughout every episode and things like that and when you finally see that episode it really ties everything else together that well, that's his origin you know, story right but but not uh, not just him but also i just want to call her g-man but it's not g-man uh yeah erohan the yeah you know the erohan g-man yeah that's it so anyway like in in a scene where she came from too because i mean you get to see her in was it i think it was the very first episode or maybe the second yes, one. yes i think she appeared in the first episode yeah and she comes out and she's like oh, i love dirty books and everything but then you get to see how she even got into these books in the first place in episode 11. So it really does tie things together. I don't know. What I liked about it was just the fact that we got to see more of Sommelier. Because as a character, he's just so... You want to know more about him. Because he doesn't talk. He doesn't do anything like that. And it's just like, for me, those little char 
character development moments are like my favorite episodes and also Erohan G-Man is like top notch as a character just to get that story I want to get more into it when we get into stories but in general like my favorite moments I would say would have been comedic moments but also those sort of cutaway gags that they do like there was a small group of episodes or it was sort of bit across a various amount of episodes where they did the um little story with the cat lime cat one lime cat two lime cat three the silent movie style <laughs> i quite enjoyed that because it was quite it was quite refreshing it gave you like a little circuit breaker but it was i don't know it it's like film noir in a way because it started off as this sort of i, I don't know like 1900s silent movie you know with the quirky music in the background mm -hmm. and then it just became this sort of film noir type situation like you know those like detective movies yeah and it was so melodramatic i liked it i feel that it could have been put into like Cannes film festival like it was that it was that dramatic it, it felt like an artsy film in a way and i liked that and that was like one of my favorite moments as well because the, it meant nothing to the story genuinely but it was just fun. It, it was fun. And you know what? Initially, I thought it meant nothing to the story. And then at the end of it, where basically Foo Girl goes in for the kiss mm -hmm. and he's sleeping and he thinks it's the cat licking his face. And I thought, wow, that was it was a nice way to end it. It was quite nice. Honestly, I have a lot of favorite moments and episodes one of the first ones that i can just you know I'm sitting here just thinking about it now like I'm, I'm looking at my notes trying to think about like the one that always just keeps jumping out at me and it's it's a really simple episode though was episode five and the reason that's one of my favorite episodes is pretty much from beginning to end it just had me laughing like the entire okay. episode well the, the panty shot episode yeah that was one where like you know where uh, umio was like you know the the one thing that that, I, that you know drives me crazy about your manga is that you don't know how to draw panties properly or you don't use them properly it's like you've got all these skills and you can't draw panties <laughs> so then it's them trying to get her in the right mindset of like how to draw panties and everything and like that kind of also uh takes me back to i forget which episode it was but the one where they go to uh, hiotan's apartment and sensei you know uh is getting the laundry for her because she's sick and like she starts pulling out the lingerie and all that stuff and like going bonkers over it. it's like she just really has no idea like what sexy underclothes are yet she draws like etchy manga so it's it's a weird little story with her about how she like she keeps talking about how she wants to you know make it big and break into the mainstream and become a better manga artist and you know she draws etchy stories and everything but she doesn't know how to draw sexy stuff and like the whole running gag to the whole show of them having like the girl power meter with her and like she keeps going into the negative points because she's just so unsexy herself and everything it's just it's it's really funny to me no it's, it's quite hilarious i mean those ongoing jokes as well it's like you think that whole girl power joke would stay for like one episode but nope. it's, it's a joke that runs throughout the season which yeah, is it, fantastic and it, it doesn't feel stale at all you know it's they always add to it i say and it gets worse or better depending on how you're thinking about it once uh sumorin comes into the show mm, okay yeah she literally starts talking she's like 
uh, you know, girl power meter activated, you know, and like puts her little fingers over her eyes and is like just watching everything and reading everything on the girl power meter. So yeah. So anyway, uh, episode five was, you know, one that I, I just, I just enjoyed it just because it had me laughing from beginning to end. Yeah. It, it was episode eight where Sensei and Umio were going to go on the date and like she's trying to figure out how to, you know, get ready. And she has like, uh, the other girls helping her, you know, like get dressed and figure out, you know, how to act and go out on their date. And then like when he finally, you know, sees her, you think that, you know, he's going to see her and be like, oh my God, you're so pretty or whatever, or just be taken back by her. And he gets mad and you're like, wait, why is he getting mad? And it's because she took her glasses off and you find out that not only does he have a glasses fetish, but he's like, you need to wear your glasses all the time. They're like your best feature. <laughs> and like, and then she ends up getting mad at him so that was it's interesting because i kind of liked that episode until the end because i was assuming that we would see them on their date right i wanted to see that how their date went we got no reference of the date afterwards we didn't know if it went well if it went badly you know it, it was very disappointing for me but the episode was good up until that point well honestly though that's kind of like a running thing with this show as a whole too like i talked back when we were talking about first impressions i wasn't expecting there to be any you know for it to be kind of a rom-com show and there's multiple like pairings and potential couples all through this show but it's one of those things that they're like they're just dangling on a string the whole time and like as the audience you're sitting here it's like would you guys just confess to each other already would you guys just go out already and it's like it's like they get right on like that cliff's edge that razor's edge where we think okay this is going to be the moment where they finally get into a relationship and then nothing it happens a lot in these types of shows where there are multiple couples and things like that i think the reason being is because the author wants to keep it open to the viewer right. but at the same time it's written in such a way where they've sort of made those pairings in and we'll talk about that a little bit more with characters and relationships and stuff like that but yeah i think they sort of shot themselves in the foot with kind of making this a little bit more rom-com because right. that's not the strength of the show and that's what i say so the other episode i want to just talk a little bit about again it was just an episode i enjoyed but at the same time it kind of like tugged on me a bit it was episode 10 which was the second Valentine's episode, so Valentine's and White Day. So, like, over the course of this whole show, you've gone through, I'm, I'm going to say, about a year and a half, mm -hmm. maybe. Something maybe, like that. Yeah, not quite two years, but definitely more than a year. So, like, so this is the second time during during this anime where they have a whole Valentine's Day, White Day thing, and, you know, they're, they're all trying better, and they're all, you know, feeling like they're on the verge of, like, you know, telling the person that they like, that they like, them and all that type of stuff and you know i really liked how uh, more of the characters were given more time to kind of like give it their all and prepare and like you know show them coming up with like you know cooking the chocolates and things like that and then like i also like i i love kameko and i thought she was absolutely adorable in that episode as well and then uh but the one part that made me really sad though too is that that was the episode where uh, Sumorin like kind of realized that she was out of the running with uh, uh, manager Kantoku. I can't remember if it was Kantoka or Kantoku. I think it was Kantoku because yeah, 
Gantoku. Yeah, which his uh, his name is is not actually given. Gantoku means director. He doesn't actually that's have it. A name. Yeah, and they just call him manager, you know, or director, yeah. however you would say it. You know, she finally realizes that, like, because she sees the way that he's acting with Hiyotan, that and like she's actually been helping Hiyotan, but then she finally realizes that like there's no chance of them getting back together, and then she starts crying because I thought she was a sweet character, but I was kind of cheering on him in Hiyotan anyway. But anyway, like I said, just that was just a good kind of up and down episode, and like I said, I just really like the efforts that the characters are putting forth. Yeah, no, it was it was. Was, it was great and it's interesting that you mentioned the fact that the show takes course over a year and a half because i'll be honest with you the way that it's paced you don't feel that and at the same time you don't feel as though time is passing unless you would have seen both episodes for the um valentine's day right if they didn't include those valentine's day episodes i would not have assumed that time would have passed right i wouldn't have thought maybe that they would have been a week have passed maybe a month maybe a year maybe 10 years it's very unclear apart from those valentine's episodes so i kind of appreciated that from like a story structure perspective i will say this though the way that the show is structured is very similar to western cartoons where you have your a story your b story sometimes a c storyline as well mm -hmm. where it's sort of split mm -hmm. into three separate stories and somehow in the end they kind of work out and you find out oh that these stories were linked sometimes that happens doesn't happen all the time though i would say you see it actually during the episode too like you know it'll pop up like the title of you know that that part of the episode and it kind of gives you like hints because you don't really see that in anime as well like a lot of the time because they've split it in such a way it means that each sort of story beat gets like less than 10 minutes which you could kind of split this show into a weekly series that is like 10 minutes long right something like i can't understand what my husband is saying that is a sort of short running series you could have split the show into that would i have preferred it if it was like that not really and i think the reason being is because for this show splitting it into that two or three parts works really well because somehow it makes it feel as though the show is longer than it is if that makes sense every episode that i was watching i was like damn is this only 22 minutes it felt like an hour which can be seen as a good thing can be seen as a bad thing because at times i was sort of struggling <laughs> because it was just like shit when are we going to get into the the good part of the story and not the filler like i've never seen shows that are structured in which you have a filler arc in the middle of an episode it, it didn't make much sense to me i had a little bit of the opposite feeling like when I could tell that the episode was about to end I'm like oh it's over already it felt really fast to me to be honest with you I, I don't know why I kind of felt like that it was just the fact that I just felt as though it just dragged on but not in a bad way sometimes yes with certain episodes but most of the time I just felt like wow there's a lot going on in the episode but just because of how they structured it I mean that I will will agree with it did feel like I mean every episode there was a lot going on you know especially when it had the bits like cutting back and forth between you know what was going on in the shop or what might be going on at the shop but then going on in someone's apartment things like that and and part of me makes me think that could the show have succeeded a bit more if they had sort of 
spread it out over 24 no maybe not 24 but maybe like 18 episodes instead right as opposed to or maybe 15 even right because i i just felt as though they were putting on too much and so we didn't get a lot of information for certain things moving forward like for example i didn't know this but we mentioned uh kantoku right mm -hmm. and i think this might be a good transition into characters but we mentioned kantoku it wasn't mentioned why his name is kantoku i always assumed that kantoku was the guy that ran the store he's not right and he's not even in a management position i thought he was he's basically like someone like in in america i don't know if they have it in england but in america he'd be considered someone who's like a third key you're not you're not a manager you're not an assistant manager you don't really have like authoritative power as far as like hiring and firing people but you can tell people okay you need to go do this you need to go do this and you do have a little bit of more responsibility to you so that's kind of like what he was you know for his little group or his floor yeah he's kind of like a team leader if that makes sense right what's interesting is as well is he's just like a regular clerk in the store and the reason why he's called kantoku is because and the reason why he's called director and it's not i don't think it's mentioned in the show but it's because he wanted to be a film director that's his golden life he wants to be a film director so oh, i miss that i don't think it was mentioned because it was mentioned for a sensei like the reason they call sensei sensei because she wants to be a manga artist and obviously a lot of manga artists they have that title sensei when they get big right so mm -hmm. it's that sort of thing it's like a lot of the characters don't actually have their names like even even fugal it's mm -hmm. not mentioned why fugal's name is fugal right although if you read the manga you'll find out what her real name is Fugal because I think it's Rotten Girl basically because she's into zombies yes, and gore uh -huh. and stuff like that right but that's not mentioned Makes sense. right and if you understand japanese bam you'd get that right but there's not much sort of explanation in certain things even with the characters which i thought if we had more time we could have understood why kantoku was named kantoku right and we got it with sommelier and i kind of felt like we were going to get it with kantoku when we see the final scene of oh. the final episode <laughs> Yeah. because that it feels like there was more story to be told and one thing that kind of upset me was at the final episode and i don't understand why it kind of made me really upset when i saw it was when you get the little mascot and the mascot's basically explaining while the other characters are talking and there's a black screen and it's like it was short but thank you for supporting denki guy and i was like damn so it made me think that possibly even the author or even the animation team knew that this wasn't going to go far. And especially because this is the first sort of anime project from that author, right? Or the first adaptation to come from that author. So I believe so. So it kind of felt sad to me because it was just like Denki Guy had a lot more to offer. And it just it felt as though they weren't given that chance and that they were just willing to accept. Oh, I'll take the 12 episodes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because clearly there was more story to be told and you could kind of see that from the ending right and like i was saying this is why it keeps making me think that there was something going on just within the like manga and anime community to even just get this show made or something like that because like you know if anyone listens to this episode and then they decide they want to go watch it 
do not look into anything before watching the show watch it then go wherever your favorite like aggregate site is for anime information whether it's my anime list or you know anime planet or any list any of those places and just look at the voice cast and all the other stuff that they've done it, it'll blow your mind which is actually really surprising because it's like how the hell did they get all of these people for such a small show this is what i'm saying that's i'm convinced that there was something else going on behind the scenes with this show there had to be it's interesting that we got to see that but at the same time it makes me think that could have got a lot more and i think that's a perfect place to sort of talk about our characters in the show because we mentioned already kantoku and things like that but i want to know will who is your favorite and least favorite characters in the show my favorite character might surprise you might not but my favorite character can was... i take a guess go ahead i would go right I, ahead try I, I have a feeling it's either kameko or hiotan i hate you is it? Am I right? It's comical. And what? Why is that? You know, not to, to like bum anybody out or anything like that, but I just found her extremely relatable. Now, at first, I already started to like her just because I thought she was adorable, and I loved her voice, and I love her voice actress. Again, I didn't know who her voice actress was until a few episodes in. I decided to check it out, and it makes sense because she voices a ton of other characters that I like. But anyway, but then like when it got to I think again it might have been the same episode I was talking about earlier with the White Day and Valentine's Day. I think it might have been that episode. But anyway, where it was talking about like she was talking about how she was just kind of a loner, how she, you know, you know, likes being around people, but she always has her camera and is likes taking pictures and seeing other people happy, but she doesn't want to be like in the pictures and things like that. And like how even though she likes somebody, she knows that someone else likes that same person so she doesn't want to just be outright and tell the person that she likes them because she doesn't want to get in the way of anything else she doesn't want to be a bother things like that you know and it really like it really hit hard when she was talking about like I said take taking pictures and not being in the pictures because that's kind of like how I was like when I was in like high school and university I was always like the one when we would go on like you know school trips or excursions or study projects that you know I always had my camera with me and people were always like you know asking to have me take their picture you know and, and they would line up in groups and all that stuff but I was always the one taking the pictures never in the pictures and then like I've been that person too where it's like I've admired somebody that I've been you know not necessarily afar from but not really close from but then they've always had somebody else and things like that so like so just there's lots of different reasons why I just ended up liking her the most one like I said just because she was very relatable and two I just thought she was absolutely adorable you know what's interesting about her character is that I remember back in the day when I watched this show and I remember recording the episode and I was like you know what she is quite cool as a character just because of her character design the big poofy hair and I'm like well I've got hair like that I could relate to her in that sense but upon the rewatch it was mentioned and I can't remember who said it but it was mentioned in an episode someone else was talking about it where basically that she has this sort of rodent cute rodent style and I was like shit they hit the nail on the head because yeah with her little mouth and everything yeah she she reminds me of a mouse or a rat 
<laughs> not in a bad way, in like a cute way. Like I she's just small mean. and like like I don't know how to explain it. She's just small and like cute, unassuming, but then at the same time, kind of gives me like Scrappy Doo vibes, you know, from from Scooby Doo. You know, let mm -hmm. me out, let me out, that kind of sort of vibe to her. And it's interesting that you mentioned that. I do agree with you. Like I did really feel upset when I saw her storyline and the fact that you know she doesn't feel as though she wants to be the main character, right? And the fact that that sort of affects everything else in her life, right? The fact that she was she didn't want to be in pictures she's just a person taking the pictures also she didn't want to confess to kantoku as well she was reluctant to give him the chocolates to begin with and yeah she didn't end up being with him but she got the the charm and mm -hmm. she kind of felt good about herself i i relate to that a lot well and she actually did realize that you know these 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 people were her friends she was in with them she was part of the group which outside of this little situation of course you know we didn't really get to see anything outside of like this exact situation other than what the characters told us but like i said she 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 was always been that outsider but then she finally realizes okay i'm i'm not an outsider i'm you know with them i'm one of them and it's interesting as well like to be honest with you uh, do you have any other favorite characters or other characters that you thought were good like kameko is my my favorite character i just i just want to hug her i want to adopt her and all that type of stuff but i i will say that like you know it's funny like uh not talking about umio but i'm just saying that just like him like i have like a glasses fetish type of thing okay all right well i absolutely loved sensei like i okay. loved her like both her good parts and her flaws like i i love like when she would you know stay up for like three four days and get frustrated and go into her baby mode i thought it was hilarious she was just it's weird saying this about especially some a character who's drawn in that kind of slightly like chibi-esque style but i thought that in her kind of plain jane-ness kind of thing that she had going on that she was still sexy and cute okay. and funny and just physically just looks like if she, before she like any mannerisms opening her mouth saying anything just physically she reminded me a lot of Kuroneko which you know that oh I okay Kuroneko. Yeah, I see what you mean yeah so I also like I just I loved her actually being a mangaka and like still never giving up on that like even though she kept she would cry and get upset she was like I didn't get through I didn't get through you know when she kept trying to like you know get published and all that stuff but then she was still you know making sure to do comic at, like they like after they finished the submission that she had to submit and barely got it in at time and then she ended up still getting rejected and they are like you know well i guess we gotta go to work she's like what do you mean we've got to get back to work in the manga they're like what you, you still want to keep drawing she's like yeah i gotta get ready for comic cat or excuse me they called it comic art i think yeah something like that but it was basically comic cat now you had asked me earlier uh, though they're like who was someone that i didn't like i can honestly there wasn't any character that i didn't like okay so i i really enjoyed this cast now for me if i may i'm just gonna go out and say this my favorite character of the whole show and i i hated this character initially wait let me guess let me try guessing you guessed for me you might be surprised i, I know i'm gonna be wrong because i'm not as good at this kind of stuff all right i'm gonna say that initially you did not like foo girl you think foo girl is one of my favorite characters is that what you're saying yes you are wrong okay oh, God dang it when i was watching it originally for Kuna, 
Kunai. I hated Erohon G-Man. Fucking hate Oh, her. okay, okay. At first appearance, at first appearance though, before you get to see who she really is, I can understand that. Yeah, and mind you, I only watched like, what, three episodes for, for the initial watch for Kunai, but I respect her a lot. I genuinely do. And that like that's one of the reasons why episode 11 was like one of my favorites. It's just because mm -hmm. of her. You learn her story, you get mm -hmm. to sympathize with her, mm -hmm. but also it gives context to the previous episodes, right? Well, I was going to say, I mean, who who, el who else better to do her job than someone like her? Exactly, because she said, I want to protect it. And she did. And I was thinking, why is Erohon G-Man bringing all this manga that they've confiscated that they're going to destroy? And the reason why she did it, we find out, is because of her origins, right? She was a fan of Ero manga because of Sumeliaken, which was great. And I liked that. It seemed a bit odd, though. I mean, that, that sort of story arc seemed a bit odd because, what, they were in elementary school or something? And they were reading, like, uh, Ero manga? I'm almost positive it said they were 10. It's a bit dodge. I'm not going to lie. It's a bit dodgy. But I get it, in a sense. And I thought it was a bit weird as well because, you know, she was she's a young girl. And I was thinking, what was the reason for her to actually love erotic books, right? Because at the beginning, she was, like, freaked out about it. And then she starts helping. And I think what it is, I don't think she loved initially i don't think she initially loved erotic books i thought what it is is that you know because she was class president i'd imagine that you know in her school people were like oh you're goody two shoes they wouldn't approach her right i may, might be looking too far into this but i think it's probably the compassion you know the acceptance that was given to her by Sumiliaken that mm -hmm, sort of made mm -hmm. her to love Ero manga. I think initially she didn't like it, but she sort of fell in love with Sumilier. And I think that's probably the reason. And also the fact that Sumilier came in and saved her, right? And also saved her on two occasions. Saved her because he took the fall for the Ero manga and also saved her physically from that, you know, the building that they were destroying. So I really do love her character arc. I really do love her as a character. And the fact that you see her in the beginning and you think, oh, she's quite goofy because it's like, I love Arrow books. And oddly enough, I respect her a lot because it takes guts, right? She She's a government worker, right? So in theory, if people found out, it's, it's more than likely she could end up losing her job because of it, right? There could be some sort of scandal. Y you know what I mean, right? Government workers are kind of meant to, to be quite prim and proper. But she's of some sort of high standing in a sense at the same time she has everything to risk but she still goes out and proclaims what she loves right and i respect that a lot because initially i was pretty sort of reserved in what i liked we had this kind of conversation on uh, the Oremo episode, right? Where I will go out openly and say, I watch anime, I read manga, you know, I'm into doujins, that kind of stuff, right? I'm very open about that. And I know a lot of people aren't. And I think seeing Erohon G-Man gives me hope. And I think gives hope to other people watching that, you know, it's not weird to be a fan of Eroge. It's not weird to be a fan of BL manga. It's not weird to be a fan of anime or, or manga in general. I don't have any any of that stuff here now some people do get surprised like when I tell them like when I meet you know new people in the schools or if I'm talking with like some of my students and you know like you know sometimes like because they use Chromebooks uh, at my school and like in between classes the kids are on there watching like you know 
whole alive on YouTube where they're watching clips from anime or looking up pictures of their favorite anime and manga characters and like I'll go by and if I recognize them, I'm like oh that's blah 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 and they're like huh you know this I'm like yeah yeah <laughs> which is it's I think it's also like I don't know it's different in Japan than it is in the UK because I was having this conversation with Kevin when we were talking about Orimo it's that if you go out and you openly say I like anime I like manga you get shunned because people have this sort of disposition they have this idea in their head that when you say I like anime they're like oh hentai and I'm like well yeah you know in you know in its own time but I'm talking about anime dude you don't need to like sexualize it in a sense right so people always think when you say I like anime or I like manga they always think of you as like this weird pervert like that's the feeling I get and like I said I, I do respect Erohonjima because literally her name we don't actually get revealed her name her name is Erohon Erohon means erotic books right G-Man obviously refers to the fact that she's a government worker so she's basically I don't know she's the book porn agent the, of the government if that makes sense she's like the FBI but for like Ero books <laughs> it's weird it is why I'm saying she was perfect for this job too because it's like she goes in with the pretense of protecting you know potentially like children or, or underage people from accidentally discovering you know dirty books because sometimes like you can't you it's only one of those instances where you can't judge a book by its cover because sometimes like a hentai dojin on the cover will look just like a normal like manga especially if it's something that's set in like you know a fantasy element or action adventure element you really can't tell until you open the book and that's like i think they even uh, had it happen in one of the episodes with not with her but one of the other characters is like oh these books got mixed up they've got to go here because they're they're an adult book and she was like oh they've got to go in the 18 over section okay it's great that you mentioned that because with her and her erohon experience she would know as she walks into the store this is not safe for work this is safe for work and that's great the whole reason i was bringing that up i i got myself sidetracked there was because in essence it's like not only is she protecting an unattended audience but she's protecting the books too because what if that situation did come up a kid grabs that book they get out of the store with it that store is going to get in trouble yeah true and as you said she is the protector of the arrow books right it makes sense one thing that i i will say is what kind of freaks me out though is that she was exposed to it at such a young age you know being 10 years old i've heard like this sort of meme in in like anime and manga where you know like the arrow book like the sort of porno mags that are in forests you know what I mean? Or like by the river or something like that. Like people like go and, and throw those those books away because they don't want to be associated with them when they sort of use them. And like kids that are wondering, just find them. And that's what was going on. And I'm like, is this common in Japan? Because this is not something that happens in the UK. And I think one of the reasons is because porn is just so accessible, right? But is this something that actually happens in Japan? Like kids just randomly finding pornos? Because that's, that's a bit weird. That part I don't actually know. It's nothing that I've ever personally seen or whatever i'm betting in more populated areas or bigger cities sure i could definitely see it because like like how you say it it's definitely more accessible i mean i could you know walk right over here to the 7-eleven by my apartment right now and right next to the manga section is the magazine section and there's just nudie books right there i mean and like mm. there's a shelf it's kind of like underneath that area where that has the bigger books and right next to like shonen jump is like adult manga 
in the same type of format so it's very very accessible here now i will say they've started to change out a little bit kind of like how in other countries where maybe like a nudie magazine it might be like kind of like sealed or wrapped in plastic or have like a band around it things like that some titles have started doing that but otherwise like you can walk into a store sometimes and it like this i still remember the first experience i had when i came to japan i remember it's like late at night and i had the munchies i was staying at a hotel we were still going through training for my job and everything i walked down to family mart and here just just stand in the middle of the store is this old man just standing right at the book rack holding a nudie magazine up you know looking at it right there where anyone walking by could see what he was looking at which is kind of weird in a way like like i said i mean you do have that in the uk but that's sort of been phased out like back in the day they used to have like the sun and like there's certain newspapers that would like you know have like page three which is basically where you'd find all your topless pictures and stuff that doesn't exist anymore and i'm glad it doesn't exist because it's like it's it's pretty weird that you could just buy a newspaper and there's just nudity in it it just to me it seemed a bit odd but i didn't know that it was still a thing in japan so for me in a way it was a little bit of a culture shock that i was thinking like why are these kids just randomly finding pornos as if it's like you know like there's some sort of american tv shows from the 80s right you know like those ones where they where they go into a forest and they find like a, a bag of just like playboys you know what i mean like that's like that sort of meme that sort of existed for like such a long time and it's just like japan still has that it seemed a bit odd to me i'm sure that it still kind of exists in some regards but like i said i can't personally attest to any experience with that but yeah like i said with ero honji man i think initially her love for ero books came from sommelier right the fact that she had a crush on sommelier and she was falling in love with sommelier i didn't think she had interest because logically speaking what 10 year old girl will have an interest in ero books it seemed a bit odd to me i mean yes i mean those uh, let's be real like those kind of boys yeah like in essence not all of the boys are like that but the fact that they were getting together watching like reading magazines kind of it seemed odd to me because it's like growing up i never had that experience not nor do i wanted to have that experience you know what i mean so like i said i think erohan the way that she kind of came in was a great character and, and the fact that we're gonna get her revelation and her origin as well as sommelier which was great i mean it kind of reminds me of you know the episode the christmas episode when she hands over the the porno books right the arrow books the arrow manga <laughs> you mean when she was dressed as santa riding a motorcycle when she was dressed exactly when she was dressed as santa <laughs> <laughs> and the way sommelier takes off the mustache and puts it on himself in my head i was like is there something between sommelier and uh, erohan g-man and at the end of the anime when it's revealed like oh sommelier invited her to the picnic and it was just stuff like that it was just like oh okay cool so we got that revealed to us and in terms of other characters my least favorite do you want to know who my least favorite is you've already mentioned her it's fugal i can't stand her she's fucking annoying i'm sorry i mean i didn't hate any of the characters but i can understand people not liking her but you know eh, i you know believe me after after you you've worked in 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 job like what i've had it's like you're just like eh, whatever you're a dumb kid you know what it is i i felt that kind of she was used as a pawn in this game of chess in, in a sense right because her story basically revolves around the fact that she likes zombies but her actual true purpose is that she's like oh i've got a crush on sommelier that was her only existence and i thought you could have done a lot more with a character like fugal right you got to see quite a lot of her in the beginning and you know her love for zombies and the fact that she's bringing out those guns 
friends, I was like, oh my God, she's badass. And then it got to a point where, you know, she's delusional, clearly, right? You you see that there's a lot of things that are going on with her as a character. I'd imagine that she's someone that doesn't have as many friends because of her interests. I'm not one to speculate, but I kind of got that vibe. And the fact that, you know, she's hanging out, she's 16 years old, so she's probably working as a part-timer and she's hanging out with people that are in their 20s, some in their 30s, right? It makes sense. You know, she's she's an innocent girl and obviously she does have a crush on, on Sumilier and I like how Sumilier handles it. I wouldn't say he's oblivious to it, but he kind of doesn't want to take it further, right? right? He's he's very, very protective of her though. Yeah, he is. And I think it's more like a brother, brother-sister relationship as opposed to boyfriend-girlfriend, which makes sense because he doesn't see her that way, but he's not like flat out like rejecting her. You know what I mean? Like he's letting her down easy because he knows it's not appropriate, right? And he knows that it's just a crush and because there's really no need for her to really like like him because she doesn't really know him. He doesn't talk. Yes, he's very impressive in the sense that he does give these amazing sort of manga suggestions and things like that. But other than that, there's not real much reason. That's why I would say it's more like, you know, your sort of childhood crush, if that makes sense. So it did kind of give a little bit more of a simple aspect to the show, because like I said, you had, you know, uh, your quote unquote main pairings with, you know, Kiyotan and uh, Kantoku and then Umio and Sensei, you know, like their whole, you know, will they, won't they type of thing. And then, you know, when it brings in, you know, Sumori and kind of adds like a third wheel dimension to that too. But then you have just the more just simple, straightforward stuff with Fu Girl and Sumolier that it's kind of like palate cleanser between the other relationships. Look, uh, for me, well, I'm going to have to disagree with you there because it's not a palate cleanser because a, a palate cleanser for me would have been no relationship at all. For me, it felt forced because every character in the show is paired with someone, at least. Or every character in the show likes someone and it's, it kind of gets really messy and it's just like, I don't want Fugal to have a crush on Sommelier and try and go for Sommelier. It, like For me, it did not make any sense. There was no real reason behind it. Yes, it was this sort of cute little high school crush and sometimes they don't make sense but at the same time well it felt forced because every other character is in some sort of will they won't they relationship and you know from the beginning that this is a one-sided relationship right because we know Sumidier doesn't like her does that mean any like high school girl that you know has a crush on an older man that you know in a story that it's a forced you know story element I don't know so. I'm not saying that but I, I felt it was forced because of the fact that every other character in the show has some form of crush or some sort of relationship do you see what i mean why is it that this show has and this is something that i really want to get into a little bit later on why is it everyone in the show has a love interest it's it shouldn't be like that i'm giving my my full ron burgundy you know gesture here with my pen and everything it's like i i don't agree with you okay <laughs> and we can and we can talk about that after we talk about the rest of the characters you asked me so i have to ask you so you you did have a character you didn't like you know and a character you do like was there any other characters that you like just maybe not as much so yeah, I mean, the other characters that I did enjoy, I enjoyed all of them. the other ones. I would say Sommelier really liked him because of his story arcs and the fact that you got a lot of content, surprisingly, with Sommelier. Initially, you got the um, suggestions. He doesn't talk, but he's a very well-developed character, especially in the scenes where, you know, those silent movie scenes, right? You got to see a lot about him. You got to see that he's very caring, that he's, you know, loving, that he's he wants to help people. I really do appreciate characters like that. I really do like Hyotan because she's sort of this ditzy character, but at the 
the same time she does want to help and she does i don't know like she's very awkward right she she doesn't know what to say she doesn't know what to do let's say I, I really wanted to talk about her that's why i was, was bringing it up just because like i'm right there with you she was like she, she, she's your ditzy sweetheart you know of of the show but she's very deceptive, if you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean, so care to explain that? I'm being naughty here. You know, obviously with episode two, I didn't realize, you know, that she was like the stacked one of the bunch until okay. episode two. And I was like, wait a minute, where did this come from? Like after they had like the whole water gun thing and she's laying there twitching on the ground. I'm like, why are they doing this? Just feels so awkward. And you know what? That's one of the reasons I fucking hated that episode because it just felt gross. I wanted to take a shower. I was like, what the fuck is this? There's way of doing fan service and then there's just absolute porn like this no so bad to me because she's so sweet she is just a butterball no you know what like that's that episode like you could take scenes out of context and make a video if you showed it to someone people will assume that's a hentai because that scene where she's twitching that was fucked up i did not like that and i'll be honest there's certain things i did like about it like the egg and spoon race with the waifus <laughs> that was hilarious but at the same time it was just that moment it was just it felt gross it was like, Ugh, what the fuck is this? I absolutely hated it. And I was like, why is her swimsuit like ripped and shit? I was like, what the fuck? Like, no, it, it was bad. Getting off of that. I know we're talking about characters here, but it just, you know, made me remember like one of my favorite other episodes in, in the show was the one with her and Kantoku in her apartment and having the cold and her passing out and him having to take her to the hospital and all that stuff. That episode was awesome. Yeah, that episode was awesome. And I think one of the other reasons it was awesome was because we got to see more of Hyotan in that setting, right? And she's she's really like reserved in the sense she doesn't want yep. Kantoko to come in. She didn't want him to, to sort of worry about her. But at the same time, he was worried. I mean, it's very clear that he has feelings for Hyotan. Mm -hmm. But you know, the moment that she basically passed out, he knew something was wrong. He kicked down the fucking door yeah and right and the fact that he's he was a gentleman in the sense that look i can't leave you right. in this sort of i would say that was just that was awesome even though she lives in a good area right her her apartment building looks a bit shoddy he didn't want to leave her alone right to the point where you know because something could have happened to her you know the door was wide open anything could have happened she could have got robbed she could have got murdered whatever so i say i i know this could sound like something like really simple and they do it in other anime but this to me was just a little bit different was when you know he decided to cook for her to, but they made sure to show that when he was cooking he was like cooking cooking like chopping vegetables chopping meat you know checking what he was making while he was cooking it because like a lot of times they'll show these things in anime where a character gets sick and another character's like i'm gonna take care of you and then they just like go to the supermarket or go to you know the kombini and they get the most simple like you know rice porridge and things like that you know something they can just heat up you know in like a, a heat pack or you know in the microwave and stuff like that but like I like it add that extra touch of that kind of caring feeling I guess you could say because he was taking his time to actually cook a good meal for her and when they finally sat down to eat and she was like oh this is good yeah the, the funny thing is is that even when he's preparing the ingredients right he's asking her oh do you like shiitake mushrooms and mm -hmm. stuff like that but there was a thing about the ginger you see him chopping up the ginger right and he puts it in there and he's clearly very considerate because 
right? He knows that, okay, ginger's quite good if you have a cold or a flu mm -hmm. or whatever, and it's really good for the immune system. So he put that in there and he mentioned it to her because it, it just makes sense. Like he's, he has this sort of caring aura, right? Because we mentioned that Hyotan is the sort of mother of the group, right? Because she's there and she helps out Sensei when she's in baby mode, that kind of stuff. And she has this sort of motherly sense, motherly aura. But oddly enough, Kantoku has the same aura, but in a different sense, right? You know what I mean? Like you have that motherly sense of love, like, you know, when, when, you know, you're upset and your mom hugs you, but you also have that sort of when you're really down in the dumps and your mom makes you your favorite meal, that kind of feeling. That was a sort of vibe that I got from Kantoku. I said that that's a really good comparison, actually. That's the thing. At the same time, Kantoku can be a bit of a creep. Yes, sometimes you get it as a joke, but then there was this moment. There's, I don't know. He keeps on whispering in her ear, like, why are you so defenseless? I, I got thrown off a little bit by that because there were moments in which it kind of felt that he was going to take advantage of her. I felt it the most when they were in like like a YMCA you know what I mean when they were in that sort of building you know what I'm talking about right oh you mean after the after the uh, the comic market when they went to the like hot bath area no no when they were in the hostel the it was like a like a net cafe is what they would like call it yeah like something like that and and for me that was I got grossed out because he says it again okay the first time I, you know he's trying to do it to tease her but then the second time maybe it's because he was sleep deprived I don't know if that's an excuse and even if it was that's not an excuse but he goes in and he's like on top of her and she says well the kantoku that i know wouldn't do that and i'm like fuck me like what the fuck just happened you know she's she's saying something and she's taking a bet that he wouldn't assault her but at the same time to me it didn't feel like he's going in to sort of do anything good like it felt like he was trying to take advantage of her and i didn't i could not respect that nor could i appreciate that so there is two sides of of the character i didn't view that that harshly like i said the only the only episode that i kind of felt like awkward like that was second episode like you said but rest of it meh, I, I didn't take it like that i think it was just him you know pushing buttons and you know seeing how she would react i maybe that could be but at the same time it felt a bit creepy like it, it got past that point for me and it, it entered creepy territory speaking of creepy we'll talk about characters who aren't creepy umio you know what umio is your typical harem protagonist does not know what the fuck is going on why is he like that clearly he knows that sensei likes him or maybe he doesn't know that well the thing is he doesn't know that sensei likes him he likes sensei i think he likes sensei on multiple levels right he, he respects sensei as a mangaka but at the same time over time he actually sort of falls in love with sensei and he's incredibly awkward and you see that with the whole um lying on the lap where he sort of makes these weird sounds and i get it sometimes you kind of feel a bit sensitive when someone touches you you know what i mean and it does feel a bit awkward like if someone i didn't know was to touch my arm i would get really not freaked out i'd be really like i feel like Ugh, what the fuck it's funny because of the fact that like he works with her and he likes her he likes her as a friend he likes her more than a friend but he also is like a fanboy because he loves manga and doujinshi and like he's like ravenous about different artists and creators and things like that like even like people he knows from the past people like he's worked with things like that like for instance when Sumori comes back in and he starts fanboying over her but he knows her it's it's really weird he reminds me a lot of Kema from God Only Knows Kema Katsurashi mm, yeah because he has the knowledge of all of these games and light novels let's be real he has a similar design to him and I don't know if that was intentional but the amount of fucking knowledge this guy has in his head for like visual novels and the amount of love that he has for these 2D characters <laughs> 
It, I appreciate that. I genuinely, I pre the guy. I gotta have respect for the guy. I, I'll be real with you. I would say it's funny how he like kind of tries to use knowledge from like eroge games in real life. The fact that it doesn't work because it works with Kema in God Only Knows because that's how the show is, but it does not fucking work with him. And and you see a lot of the characters get bored by him. Every time he's talking about, I, I've been playing this game or I've been doing that, the characters are sleeping and it's, it's quite hilarious. And I find that can also be the downfall of his character. The fact that he's just basically often used as a punching bag for jokes. Right. Or in general, a punching bag for Fugal. And that's one of the reasons I didn't like him because of the way that Fugal treats him. And he's just too nice as a character, right? He doesn't really stand up for himself. He doesn't defend himself. But I want to talk about Sensei because Sensei is a very important character. I would say the two most influential characters in the show are Hiyotan and Sensei. It's very clear even from the OP because at the end of the OP, when they're sort of holding the apples in the first half of the anime, it's Hiyotan that's holding the apple. And in the second half of the anime, Sensei that's holding yeah, it at the end. I noticed so that. So it's quite interesting because in a story's perspective, you've got the first sort of half of the anime is sort of dedicated to Sensei, more Sensei base plots points. And then you have Hiyotan in the beginning of the OP. And then when it switches, you kind of have more Hiyotan story, but it's Sensei holding the apple. That's besides the point. What I like about Sensei, I do like her character design. And I will hit on that point that she reminds me a lot of Kuroneko. <laughs> exactly like i said <laughs> the character hairstyle the the way that it's sort of highlighted the color as well the tracksuit jacket yeah it, it, there's so many different combinations but in terms of her personality she's nothing like Kuroneko. no no the comparison sort of stops at like appearance right but what's very interesting about her is that she's your typical dork you know what i mean yes like, yes i don't know how to explain it like if you watch a lot of 90s american tv shows you know or like i don't know there was that one show where i can't remember what it was it was it like she's all that it was like a film wasn't it like the dorky girl that goes out with like is it is yeah it's it, the she's makeover all yeah she's yeah, all it, that it's it <laughs> when i saw that it reminded me of that she has that sort of vibe to her and it's nothing wrong with being a character like in fact it's a very human character because i've met a lot of people who are for lack of a better term dork right because i was like that when i was in high school and i mean it's a very sort of high school trope but before i started this podcast i was quite reserved and i kept my secrets to myself and the fact that she has this sort of pen name that she goes under right and that no one really knows what she looks like other than going to events like Comiket and stuff where she's actually there in person but it kind of reminds me of myself like no one knows what I look like I mean a fair few people do but it's only when I go to physical events that people get to see me if that makes sense I kind of related to her quite a lot I think what kind of put me down a little bit was her storyline as funny as it was with the whole girl power thing I was a little bit disappointed by it right because and I think the redemption kind of came from the cinema scene right where basically Umio reveals that you know you don't need to be anything that you're not I, I like you for who you are and you know mm -hmm. I like the fact that you know this this girl that has glasses and I, you know what I mean and yes Umio did mean it in some a little bit of a pervy way but his essence was quite pure in the sense that look I like you for who you are and it's it's great because not all human beings and not all women are you know traditionally sort of feminine right in a traditional sense right and it's it's great because she is a very 
human character. And that's one of the reasons I also like the show is that you get to see an insight of a range of different characters, all of which have their own quirks and all of which represent different members of society. I do like that about her. I do find at times that her annoyingness comes in when she comes into baby mode. Like I get it. She's very sleep deprived and you know, sleep deprivation does do that to you. One thing I don't like about her as well, and it's not something that I hate about the character, but something I kind of feel a bit odd about. And I did mention it in our original episode of Kunai. She is fucking gross. I'm sorry. Like whether you're a guy or a girl, I, I genuinely don't appreciate people who don't have basic hygiene. She kind of reminds me like uh, when you go to an anime expo and you just, all you smell is BO and sweat and like anime fans can't, <laughs> don't don't take care of their hygiene like there's always that meme that goes around she is an embodiment of that if that makes sense you know yes she's this cute girl right but at the same time she's a disgusting otaku in a sense you know what i mean like she she's a gross otaku she doesn't really take care of herself in that sense she said that she was gonna take a shower but all she did was she washed herself in the she washed her hair in the sink and she like wiped herself down with like wet wipes and she what was it put deodorant and then she sprayed her clothes with Febreze. Like what? Like I can't, re it's not like I can't respect a character like that, but I felt that if, if I met someone like that in real life, it would be very repulsive. Like I don't like seeing stinky people. She doesn't look like she stinks, but getting that information, it's kind of, it's it's nasty. I 100% understand this. And yeah, I'm the same way too. I don't, I don't like people like that either. Like, I mean, if you smell, you smell type thing. But I will say like in her defense, as far as like, you know, kind of like plot, of story and everything it's like basically she it was like the one thing she kind of cut out of her life to make time for basically staying up for three and four days straight working on her manga yeah i get that and in a sense it is quite admirable but it's basic human hygiene like don't don't be gross have, have you ever seen that that like it's not a meme it's a real picture but the, the the guy that makes one piece like that picture of him from like the like mid 90s or whatever in his apartment no oh you've never seen it yeah it's I've him like oh yeah it's him like laying on the floor with like a ratty white t-shirt and jeans on playing like super famicom on the like the tv on the floor the consoles on the floor there's like the the meme that you see uh, or trope i should say you see in anime where people just have like trash bags like tied up all around their apartment it's like that he's got clothes and clutter just tossed everywhere and he's literally laying down in a pile of filth you know with like a sketchbook next to him and like cigarettes and empty coffee cups and playing video games on a tv on on the floor that kind of sums up sensei because even seeing the show the clothes that she wears underneath her her tracksuit she wears this she wears like the same t-shirt every day to the point where the, the pattern on the t-shirt is faded i don't know she just seems like a gross character like i just have a feeling that she stinks <laughs> like i know it's really bad but she just she seems gross like i i can't handle that like for me my pet peeve is people that don't have hygiene i'm sorry it's not difficult and if you're listening and if you haven't taken a shower this is your sort of daily reminder to go and take a shower you filthy pig okay that's what i'm saying to those anime fans because i know that there's a lot of anime fans that don't take care of themselves from a hygiene perspective i don't care about what you do what you're into i don't care about that i care about your personal hygiene go and take a shower right now that, that's all i'm gonna say now i will say like of course like i said this picture was like really old so like of course now is like you know he's much nicer and everything but i think it's just it's just one of those things that they roll with as a trope 
trope in an anime because like when people are first starting before they get big they're just constantly working so they just have like no sense of like you said hygiene or health or cleanliness i really want to touch briefly on relationships between characters specifically the thing that you brought up before with fugo and how you felt that you know because i disagreed with you but i wanted you to sort of talk about that a little bit more because it's it's quite interesting because i felt in general that 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 her relationship with sommelier seemed a bit forced and i felt that the better pairing for sommelier was and will always be erohon g-man because of their backstory together so what, what do you kind of think of that i mean i i would definitely agree that they would be potentially a, a better better pairing i just thought like you know foo girl's relationship with him is just being your your simple teenage puppy love that you know and like he's not reciprocating that but he does still care for her and want to protect her and that's one thing that you kind of see with him in like the flashbacks stuff like that he's just a generally caring person he wants to protect people or like even in the, the modern time with him helping people find the manga that really is gonna you know touch them and you know get them he just wants to see people happy you know so i just i thought it was innocent long story short no i, I get that 100 percent. but what i'm saying is is it needed because i felt that him cheapened fugal's character a lot that's just my opinion because you saw quite a lot of her from the first sort of two episodes and she was very motivated and she was this and that but i felt that it felt a bit tacked on and it felt as though why does everyone in this anime need to have some level of romantic entanglement even with kamiko right i get i understand her reasoning and i understand that she, you know she's that character there from the sidelines and she's you know she can never really she doesn't really feel a part of the group until you know it's sort of revealed to her but at the same time it's like why does she need to have a crush on kantoku for example like i don't get that because it turned the whole love triangle because there was initially that love triangle between uh sumorin kantoku and hiyotan right there's that love triangle but then now you're in introducing Kameko in there and it feels like more of a square and love squares to what I know don't really exist it felt more well like you said it might have just been something too that was like maybe there were plans for something like that to develop down the road that they just you know didn't ever get to because you know the manga ended or it you know it could have just been something again that was just a, you know another simple thing like like Foo Girl in Somalia like I, I don't really think it, it took anything away for the from the story just because it doesn't take away from the story it doesn't add anything either so i don't understand why I, no, and that that i'll disagree with too because at the same time it's one of those things too where like you get little hints with kamiko through the series where you know of her kind of you know being like an outsider but you never really kind of understand why and everything until like you finally find out that she does you know have a thing for him and uh you know wants to like you know give him the valentine's gift and it was just one of those things about her just even knowing that you know she she didn't have a chance but you know overcoming her own like little fear not just of rejection but just like fear of like you know maybe no longer being able to you know be be a part of that group because of you know her maybe even you know even confessing in any sort of way so it just kind of built up to that part i mean i definitely think it it, it added but it's one of those things where you really kind of you know needed to to pay attention from the start in order to get that but the thing i have concern with is that what was her motivation behind this crush do you see what i mean it's not revealed that to you right because we know definitely we understand why 
Hyotan. I don't think it's something that we also always need. Sometimes people just like people because they like them. I get that, but it seems very stupid because we have the same sort of thing with Fugal and we're having the same thing with Kameko. I get that, but at the same time, it's like, where did that originate from? Because we get answers to everything else, right? With um, Sommelier and Erohon G-Man, we got the same thing with, with Sensei and, and Umio. We got the same thing with Hyotan and, and Kantoku. So it just feels like these two characters and these are the only two characters that I feel that, okay, I understand that, yes, in a sense that it does drive the story a little bit, but it's not necessarily needed. Like the, sometimes it feels as though that the author wanted everyone to have a crush or have some form of a romantic relationship. And this show is not for that, you know? That was my main concern. I think you're, you're just looking into it a bit too much, in my opinion. <laughs> Possibly other people will agree with me, but this show, although it is listed as a romantic comedy, both on Crunchyroll and when you actually go and check the manga, I would say it's more of a slice of life, you know, as opposed to a rom-com. I mean, it's definitely comedy and slice of life. I, I Like I said, it has rom-com elements, but I wouldn't consider it a rom-com at all. And I think that's very misleading. And I think the fact that there was all of these romantic relationships that were teased or going on sort of toned it down for me. It took away from all the comedy that was going on. It was sweet, don't get me wrong, but it's like, it wasn't what I was expecting from the show. I don't know if you have anything more to sort of say on characters, but I really do want to get into, you know, the, the art style and animation, if, if I okay. may. Yeah, go ahead. The one thing that I did notice is that this show, because it's a comedy and we've seen this in other shows like Gintama and like uh, Good Luck Girl and things like that, is that there's an incredible amount of references to other anime and, and it might go back to the point where you're talking about that there must have been something going on in the back end where there's a lot of different animation teams and different people that wanted to have their references put in there. But you see references to Dragon Ball Z, right? You see references to Doraemon and, and what was it Doraemon and Shinchan because there are moments in which literally that you see Hyotan being drawn as Shinchan, which I thought was incredibly uh, very interesting. But at the same time, there's, there's just so many different references to different shows. I can't remember all of them off to the top of my head, but when they were cosplaying at the at the end, right? You know, there was references to Mao-sama and um, I can't remember uh, Yuru Yuri or whatever. Yeah, SAO as well. There was a lot of references and I thought it was quite nice. And I think possibly is that a reference, like for example, Yuru Yuri, right? Um, there was a reference to that because I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Sensei was dressed up like Akari-san, which I thought was pretty, pretty cool um, as someone who is a fan of that show. But it's... It's just very interesting that they have all of these references in place. Yes, I will say that, oh, even references to the actual show's manga, like the show is very fourth wall breaking in a sense, because I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a point where they're filling up manga on the shelf and Hiyotan is picking up a manga and literally the manga is the Denki Guy manga where she is on the where she's on the front cover. And I was like, how the hell is she not realizing this? But it's nice nods to different manga and different things like that, which I think was pretty cool. I also quite like the fact that they actually produce, like you'll actually see this at the end of the show. They actually produce all of the different manga covers that was featured in the show, which I thought was pretty cool as well. Well, there's like these little nods and things like that. But other than that, the art style was pretty cute. It's a sort of chibi style to the characters that you've seen in like other shows, but it's quite unique because I don't think I've ever seen a show that has character design like that, if that makes sense, right? Like the characters have big heads, but it's not it's not in a childlike way. It's like, I don't know. It's It adds to the cuteness of the characters. It adds to the goofiness of the characters. It also allows for these sort of cutaway gags in which you can change the animation style or, you know, you could sort 
sort of tone it down or make it more comedic. And I think the art style was one of my favorite things in the show. That's why I had to double check what studio even did this. Cause I like, at first glance, I was like, is this a, a Dogokobo show that yes, I didn't know about? Yes, I was about? thinking the same thing. It has that sort of Dogokobo style. And it's like, it sort of freaks you out. Like it, when you see the actual studio that does it and you're like, shit, man, I know that they're a pedigree studio, but like, damn, like they know how to make a show look good because even the characters, they're quite detailed, but not detailed in the things that you would expect. Like for example, like in terms of the hair, in terms of the eyes, in terms of facial expressions, in terms of teeth even, right? And it's not like their teeth are like realistic, but you know, you, you notice it with Fugo, she has shark teeth, right? Or you notice it with Sensei. Sensei's hair is very shiny. And, and yes, it's mentioned that Sensei's hair is black. It looks a bit more blue, but the way that her hair looks is just pretty phenomenal, right? It looks good. It's very hard to explain. It looks good, but then you look at her outfit. Her outfit works well as well. You know what I mean? It's so, all of these different pieces. Like even though if you really want to zoom in, if you really want to nitpick, there's certain things that don't have the best artwork behind it. or don't have the best animation. Like for example, her costume, going back to Sensei, the zips, if you focus in on the zip, of her costume it looks like a child has drawn them and like things like that don't need to be detailed if that makes sense like you're not going to gain anything from getting the zip looking realistic do you know what i mean but it, it, it looks like you know because the studio is quite small i mean they work on like certain shows it looks like they've focused on particular points that will draw your eye and not things that aren't going to and the fact that the show is sort of set in maybe two or three settings right it's set in the manga store and then you get to see other people's houses you don't get to see see a wide variety of scenes or wide variety of spaces and I think that's a good thing and I think the reason being is because it is a small studio and that they can focus on making the smaller details a lot more surprising a lot more eye-catching which I think bravo on that point because it's rare because sometimes you see anime from smaller studios and it's just like dog shit because they don't have you know the time to spend and they don't have the resources I would say they don't have they're not managing their resources well but you could see this studio is you know shin a animation is doing a great job of that there's not one point in the show where i thought oh you know what this animation's really bad not just with the characters but like you know and i think i brought this up you know when we did our new game episode too it's like i'm one of those people that i'll notice like background things and things like that too and even though the backgrounds here weren't as detailed there was still you could still tell what everything was like you could see like things like rolled up scrolls of paper and like the way that the uh the 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 boxes you you know were stacked and disheveled and creased and things like that you know like little like scratches and dents on walls and like i said in the the store itself i mean it looked just like the real life store i mean when they would do the panned out shots of uh akihabara it looked like akihabara you know and like even like the sign that said unimate which was supposed to represent you know animate it looked just like it you know and then like the episode where they went to the competitor store i don't remember what the name was during the show but you could clearly tell it was supposed to be melon books like everything was just accurate and there's that incredible attention to detail but yeah even then like even the animation I think was quite smooth you don't really expect like proper animation it, this isn't a shonen show so you're not expecting like 60 frames a second all the time do you know what I mean but it was still quite fluid there wasn't anything for there to be dropped frames or anything like that because there's there's no action going on in the show but you know there were even in the more emotional scenes even in the more dramatic scenes I didn't notice you know any sort of dodgy animation or any sort of dodgy skipped frames or anything like that so you know I, like I always say on kunai if I don't notice 
just the animation, then it's good animation, right? If it's something that I will nitpick on, then you know it's bad. Because I don't think that there was even 3D animation in the show, was there? Not that I could tell. I mean, if they did use it, it was obviously hidden really well. And speaking about animation, though, yeah, just you know what my actual favorite animation is in this in this show, but you and you actually get to see it in like every episode. What is it? During the ending theme, where Sensei's doing her little like kung fu movements. Oh yes, yes. I love that. that. Every time, it just makes me smile. You know what? I, I every time, like if you type in like anime gifs, that's like one of the most popular gifs, and a oh, lot of really? people use it. Yeah, it's weird. It's, a lot of people use that GIF, and I see it around all the time. And I'm like, you probably right. haven't even seen Denki Guy, and you're using I it. I gotta try this right now. Anime GIFs. Let's see what I get. You might not see it now, but I remember back in the day, everyone was fucking using it. And I'm like, bruh, you haven't even seen Denki Guy, and it's like 2000 and it's 2017. Why are you using this GIF? It was just like a lot of people were using it for some reason. I don't know why. It's hilarious, and it's smooth too. Just her whole motion and movement. It's just so smooth. It was weird but i liked it it's, it's, it's quite a nice thing uh, but speaking of the opening speaking of the opening and ending what did you quite think of it because to be honest with you i wasn't impressed with the opening and ending i was impressed with the scenes that were shown like the actual animation that was shown in the opening and ending i didn't quite understand the opening with the with the apples the opening is just weird yeah and like and like the, the music is okay like it's out it's it sounds like you're almost like typical slice of life kind of music that you would hear as an opening so i thought the, the opening was just okay but i enjoyed the ending i really did i like the ending as well and, I, and part of me thinks that the ending should have been the opening and the opening should have been the ending because there's been a lot of shows where i've ended up liking the endings far better than the openings like and i've noticed that in the, like granted this is a, a little bit of an older show now but i've just was thinking about this the other day that even recently there's been a lot of shows like that where i've enjoyed the ending a lot more than the opening but it, it just makes me feel that the opening was more the ending was more energetic and i felt as though that would have been a better opening for the show because denki guy is energetic right it's got i don't know it just feels you know it's a bright and airy show like it feels like you know when you watch it you feel like you gain energy so other than that i mean the music in itself wasn't that good it's not something that i was like oh my god i'm gonna go and listen to this right now it's your typical sort of slice of life type of music in the background you know what i mean it wasn't anything to sort of write home about yeah no i agree but we did mention the voice acting the voice acting fucking superb like what the hell went on like how the hell did they get this crazy cast i don't i i don't know but like i said if you, you know, like you said go on mal and look up thank you guy look at the voice cast and just go through and see all the roles they've done like probably like the one with actually like the least pedigree is actually Kameko who was like you know my favorite character on the on the show but you know even then she's been in a bunch of stuff too but like just you know, like I, said, I don't want to spoil it for people so I want people to like watch the show maybe hear you know hear our podcast and then go in here and look the stuff up for themselves and like they'll be like what really they were in this they were in this they were in this they were and like just the list goes on and on and on and you know what it, it's quite surprising because I don't know it just seemed a bit odd to me like I didn't realize that until I saw the list of characters and, and you know the cast and I was like damn it what what but you, you could tell because it really does add to the show because each character is quite varied in terms of their voice I mean even with Kamiko she sounds like a little cute mouse like it's that kind of thing like the characters have very distinct voices and character designs and, well that's what's what's funny though too is that like the, some of these well one voice I did kind 
kind of recognize right off the bat, you know, but some others that after I looked it up, I was like, holy cow. I was like, I can't believe like this person's got range because like you'll see a character they did in this show that is completely different than their other roles. I want to know, because obviously the show ended in a particular way. Uh, we know how the show ended. How did you think about the ending and would you want to see a second season? I mean, it's really difficult because, you know, I really enjoyed the show. I'm going to say personally, I would like to see more because I would want to see these, you know, supposed relationships actually get fleshed out. But at the same time, I kind of understand them leaving it open ended and like to let people think about, you know, what's going on with these characters. But I would actually like to see some kind of growth from it. I think that's, you know, I mean, there was growth during the series. Don't get me wrong. But like, I guess I, I just want to see things come to a more natural ending than just leaving it open. So that's, you know, me personally, I want to see, I would want to see more, but you know. Now for me, I would say the answer would be no. And yes. Now it seems a bit odd. I'm in the same boat when you say that. Cause it's like, yeah, like personally I would want to do it. But at the same time, like if a second season did get made again, it wouldn't be one of those shows I would pick up right away and be like, okay, I'm going to wait for that one to finish and I'll go watch it later. And I, I get it that we probably never see a second season because even the manga, I, I'm not sure if you know this, the manga only had 15 volumes. So basically we covered all of the manga in the anime there about there might have been some things that were missing but basically every volume equated to almost every episode of the anime so we were basically run out of, of source material but in the case that we did want to see a second season i genuinely like i said i wouldn't want to see a second season because the way that the show ended was very sort of light and breezy but at the same time there were certain things that made me want to see a second season or in fact maybe not even a second season but maybe a prequel and i keep on saying this on kunai because sometimes i think prequels are more interesting but i want to see because i'm not sure if you saw there was a girl that was reading the era manga right at the end well she was like a high school girl and then there was this kid do you know who the kid was no right at the end the, the final scene of the show the kid was um kantoku don't i don't know if you clocked on that i did the not. kid the I kid that was that was wearing now. the hat that was kantoku and the woman that was reading or the girl that was reading the uh, era manga was erohon jimen so they put that in there and it made me think like why did they put that in there it felt like a tease for a second season kind of like you know good luck girl how they basically i oh, actually i don't want to spoil good well i'm gonna have to but, no 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 don't don't do it okay well watch the good luck girl episode because there is a, a a scene that sort of teases a second season but it's like we obviously didn't get a second season do you know what i mean so it feels like it might be the case that they maybe wanted to pursue the story a little bit more. And I, I kind of wanted to know Kantoku's story arc a little bit more because we know, once again, we know his name is Kantoku, which means director. It's not revealed to us the fact that he wants to be, he, you know, the fact that he was given the nickname director. I maybe want to see either a prequel or maybe a web series because, you know, sometimes anime do that. Uh, maybe a web series in which we get to see more about Kantoku, maybe a little bit more about Eron Honjimen or possibly even Sensei like there is a lot of because we're told right that a lot of these characters are sort of new because obviously Umio is quite new to the cast of characters he's like a very new character right so I want to know about them beforehand possibly maybe with it's probably the most frustrating part of this show is just how much is left open I guess is the easiest way of saying it. there's so much stuff that isn't answered and and that's one of the reasons why I I kind of 
kind of want a second season to get those answers out but at the same time i don't think the show is good enough to even get a second season if that makes sense yeah oh absolutely i get it it got ended in such a way and i'm 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 content with the ending although i will say this in a sense i am content with the ending but i thought the ending was a bit naff it felt a bit too cutesy for me it felt like there was it didn't feel like a real ending it was like more of a fan service ending just like hey thank you for watching type of ending that's a really good way well i mean they literally say the whole thank you for watching too type thing uh, uh in the final episode but it's and i don't i don't want to you know make this sound like i'm being a jerk to the series because i really enjoyed this show i mean i really did and i'm glad that i watched it you know and i'd probably watch it again sometime when i felt like it but the ending to me just feels weak but like i said that's just from like a personal aspect of where i want to see you know where these not just relationships go but do these characters get to meet any of their dreams and things like that i just want to know more period and that i would say goes on to the point of would you want to recommend the show you've already mentioned that you loved it but would you recommend the show and if so who would you recommend it to i mean it it would be really hard for me to just generally recommend the show mostly uh just because one i wouldn't know a whole lot of people who would really be into it but like you know like i said i have you know you know like friends back home that are you know will just message me from time to time looking for anime recommendations because they know that i watch so much of it and you know they're kind of you know lighter on that side but like even like to them i don't think i could recommend something like this but if i knew someone was into this genre show and you know hadn't hadn't seen it yet i would recommend it kind of like how you recommended it to me and now i'm happy that i watched it you know but like to a general audience no but to a very specific audience yes i would recommend it too and the funny thing is i have a very similar sentiment because i notice how i have you on this episode and not kevin right because when we initially recorded it i don't think we fully appreciated it because we haven't grown as anime fans to the point where we could appreciate this type of show right going back to it yes i did enjoy denki guy um, it's no longer, there's no longer the Denki Guy curse of Kunai anymore, but I find it very hard to recommend this show to people. And yes, I had you on this episode because I feel as though, Will, you are the type of person to appreciate the show because of how much anime knowledge you do have, but also, you know, the fact that you've seen so many different types of shows and understand so many different references and the fact that you actually had an opportunity to go, or because you live in Japan, go and actually visit a lot of these manga shops that this show was based around so like i said it's a very very interesting show it has its type of viewer base but i i understand why the show didn't sell that well i mean i understand why it didn't do so well not just because of what it was up against but even if it was up against nothing i can understand why it wouldn't do so well it really just feels like the show had like all the cards stacked mm. against them you know what i mean and that, that doesn't mean it's a bad show not at all like i i keep saying no it's not it's not a bad really enjoyed this show you know and it's hard to describe without me saying the show disappointed me because it didn't disappoint me it's just that it's it's very difficult to a recommend it and then b i just i want more but more just from the fact that i'm into the story and i think it could have been more and the funny thing is right is that there's going to be a lot of people when a haran chan comes out right that they are going to go and see the other works from this author and they will pass by denki guy and they might feel as though oh they're a bit disappointed and i understand that because denki guy in itself is an incredible niche within a niche within another niche and sometimes it feels that denki guy was possibly produced 
as an homage or a thank you to the other people in the industry possibly other inspirational people to uh, the author it felt like that and that might be one of the reasons why you know that they were able to pull so many strings in terms of getting studios involved and in terms of getting all these different references and in terms of getting all these different seiyus right so to me it just felt like a love letter to the industry in a sense yeah it, right? it's funny that like you say that love letter but it's like in and i and again i'm not saying this as a derogatory term but it feels like the like a, a good name for this show would be like you know manga slash anime inside joke the anime yeah, yeah exactly and which it is and that's why i'm saying that i can't recommend it to a lot of people because on kunai we recommend it to a lot of new people oh you know what you should watch this anime if you're new to anime and i think it it, it also makes sense why we didn't like the anime to begin with was because we were new to anime this is not a show to watch unless you've seen a shit ton of anime because you're not going to get any of the references like you won't enjoy it well not just the anime and manga references but the anime and manga culture references exactly. if yeah. you're not yeah. in on the culture so much is gonna leave you out and i think like i said i think this is a show for like hardcore otaku and possibly not even otaku in the west like if you live in the west this is definitely might not even be a show for you if you're a hardcore otaku in japan i think you would enjoy this a lot more because you have access to manga like for example manga shops aren't a thing in the uk we have comic book stores but we don't have manga shops and i think the reason is is because publishing and printing in japan is just so cheap right because they do it all in-house right they like over here it's really expensive you know you we have to import manga it's, it's a bit messy but in general i think a japanese audience would appreciate this show a lot more but yeah i mean i think that sort of puts denki guy to rest it puts it to bed you know we can now bury the hatchet with denki guy because i'm glad i was able to kind of like resuscitate revive maybe you know revitalize this whole dinky guy curse maybe you can like move on and like start referencing like another difficult time so you can we can't keep dragging this cute show down we, we yeah i don't i think we were very harsh initially and you know it was a meme and i think now it's time to put that meme to bed i don't think we're gonna make any more denki guy well okay i i can't make any promises me and kevin because we were there we lived it we lived denki guy the original recording and i still have the audio for that and i'm never gonna show it to anyone because it's such a horrible episode but we lived through that so we might make denki guy memes every once in a while but i think we've put it to bed now we know what you're, we're gonna call this this is denki guy the revenge the revenge yeah the revenge of Denki Guy, and you know what? I'm actually really happy how this episode went. I think we gave it a good shot. It isn't the best anime, but I think we did a really good. I think we did the show justice. One word describes this show, and that's fun. Yeah, yeah, good old-fashioned fun. And that being said, thank you, Will, for coming on. A pleasure as always. I look forward to when we get to do it again. Will, what is the next episode of Kunai? Because well, I'm pretty sure you you've made a suggestion, but I wanna I wanna hear you say it. If I recall correctly, it's going to be uh, season one of Princess Connect. Hopefully we record that next week, which is kind of crazy because you'll be hearing this that episode like a month after this one airs, but we'll be recording that one next week. Hopefully that's good. I haven't started it yet, but after this recording, I'm probably going to get started and yeah, hopefully that's a good episode as well. But yeah, big thanks to our sponsors, Japan Crate and Crunchyroll, where you can watch this anime. If you want to make a suggestion for Kunai, you can do it on our Twitter page at Get Life Podcast or alternatively join our Discord page because, you know, we are a fun bunch. We are a small community, but I 
think when we get into anime discussions, when we get into gaming discussions, gets really, really interesting. So be sure to join our Discord at getlifepodcast.com forward slash Discord. That being said, bye. Peace, peace.